So, Kaylee, we're going to play a uh, classic, classic game of shag, marry, throw off a cliff. Or some okay. people call it shag, marry, kill or shag, marry, avoid for the PG-13 version. Um, and basically, you can choose any combination of Avengers or, I guess, MCU characters. You have to choose one that you shag, one that you marry and one that you throw off a cliff. Can I pick ones that you have yet to meet? Yeah, why not? Just don't give away too many spoilers. I'm, well, I'm no, but an innocent little mind. Maybe, maybe, maybe we don't. Up until yeah. the end of phase one. Okay, okay. Ooh. And it's the characters, not the actors playing them. Um. Okay, I think I would shag Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. I don't know why I felt the need to say his, his acting name, but I would. The shag Iron Man. I'd shag Iron Man because I feel like his love is only for Pepper and he's more of a one night stand kind of guy for everyone else. But then you'd have to reckon with Pepper and her vengeance. Mm, and yeah, she'd if... sue you. She'd sue your ass. No, she wouldn't. She'd just keep phoning me and saying like, oh, the company's failing. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, Pepper. And I'd please, invest in our, please invest in our failing company. Oh, okay, don't then. <laughs> exactly. I'd be like, oh, so sorry, Pepper. Dial tone. I would... Marry, mm, this is really hard. I think I'd marry Hulk, but I'm going to say the Mark Ruffalo Hulk because he's a lot warmer. Yeah. I feel like he's the marrying kind. I was going to say, I think I'm quite calm present, so I don't think he'd get stressed or angry with me. That that was really my question is, are you not worried that he'll, you know, you'll be talking about, I don't know, what you're going to get at your next food shop and stuff, and then he gets suddenly really stressed and just turns into a great big Hulk and then kills you? Like, mm. would that not be a bit of a concern? Is that not a concern in every marriage? Yes, I guess it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think it'd be fine, because as we saw at the end of the Avengers movie, he retained his humanity while being Hulk. So I think it would be cool. Our love was strong. And who would I throw off a cliff? The other Hulk. <laughs> the other Hulk. Yeah, I can. Going can I back to our meanness, but you can do that. Is that or I was thinking maybe like Coulson? Yeah, I guess so. He hasn't served like a tremendous purpose so far other than to sort of... No, I know who I'd do. I know who I'd throw off the cliff. It's Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. Why? Um, I think he's got a mean face and I don't think his powers are all that. He seems arrogant to me. Well, he, does, he doesn't have powers. He's sort of... He's that little kid who turns up like, I got a bow and arrow and all the popular kids are like, Ugh, who is this? Exactly. And I... Yeah, I would throw him off the cliff. <laughs> you go. Tell me yours. Who are you going to shag? Uh, I haven't decided on shag. I would marry, though. I'd marry Nick Fury because oh, if, the, if the end of the world comes, uh, Nick Fury always seems to know when it's going to happen. Like he has uh, all the information. So everyone around him normally dies. Yes. But I wouldn't be around him. Like, basically, he, just before the movie kicks off, he'd be like, babe, babe, the world's going to end. You might as well go hide somewhere. Like, he'd do what he did for Jane Jane from Thor in Avengers. Mm. He'd basically, like, send her off to some remote location and be like, I've got a job for you, wink, wink. And she's <laughs> like, okay. And she just sort of wanders off. And then there's, you know, none the wiser to all the shit that's going down in New York City. And so he'd set you up with, like, a teaching gig in Antarctica and you'd be like, oh, that seems legit. Or, you know, like a nice resort in the Maldives or the Seychelles or something, you know, one of those, like people to wait on me hand and foot just for a couple of weeks so all, all the aliens stop invading and everyone calms down. 
You know? I think it would be Antarctica. I can play with the penguins. Exactly. And they probably have spas. They must do. They must do. <laughs> right. I know who I'd shag. And this is controversial for me, bearing in mind I have a boyfriend. I'd shag Black Widow because I bet no matter what your gender is, no matter what your sexuality is, no matter who you are, she will give you a good time. Well, she would because she'd be wanting something out of you. No, that doesn't really matter ultimately <laughs> I just, i'll just give her the information and be like cool done <laughs> fair exchange take it <laughs> and then take me <laughs> but I, you know i bet she'd be amazing i mean she she kicks ass why can't she handle ass i'm sure she can um and throw off a cliff who would i throw off a cliff I'd probably throw Captain America off a cliff and just be like, take your earnestness and your sincerity and just piss off Captain America. So you'd kill someone for being a nice person. That's mm, dark. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm a bad person. I'm owning it. You're the super villain of the Avengers <laughs> universe. The big twist is that this amateur podcast is actually the super villain hideout. I would love that. And then it reveals as our, our last episode airs. And then the next movie starts with you as podcast or whatever your evil name would be. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I seal people inside tiny pods. Yes. Oh, yeah. And you could like cast webs at them. Kind of like Spider-Man. I sound more like a villain in the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> you do. But we'll work on it. Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time. And with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not so good aspects of the MCU and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. So we enter phase two. Woo. Dun, 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 dun. You need more dramatic, dramatic opening music now. We do. We need a we need a sort of um, Inception style music that sort of dum 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 bam bam. Yeah, just adapt the the opening credits. (laughs) (laughs) And our first piece of media from Phase Two is Iron Man Three, and our first threequel as well. Our very first. That's so romantic. Did you like it? How did you find it? Um. I want you to answer that question first. Me? I've I know want, I've seen them. <laughs> I know, but I'm interested to know what you think. Well, I'm interested to know what you think, but I guess I I'm more likely to crumble than you. <laughs> so I like aspects of it. I didn't like other aspects of it. Yes, yeah, so I'm exactly and, the same as you. And I was just, I was, just, I, I've been talking about this a lot this week because hmm. I saw it again and I was like, I didn't like it the first time I saw it. I liked it the second time I saw it. This time I was like, it's very much having its cake and eating it, in my opinion. Mm, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It's proper 80s action. It's got all those tropes, but it's like t- dancing around with some like modern themes that makes it feel quite relevant now. Uh, there will be spoilers ahead and there are some, a fair few twists in this one. I think that's one thing I did like about it is that it it tells a slightly more innovative story compared Mm. to the previous ones. Like they really inject themes and themes of like war and terrorism and 
the fears that people have. I get, I think that we've mentioned this before, but I, again, I thought of that speech that Judy Dench does in Skyfall, where she talks about how the real enemy is who you cannot see. They're hiding yeah. behind dark web websites and um, the, you know, electronics and things like that. And it's harder for the government to keep up with what they have because it's all secret. It's not a bunch of tanks and nuclear weapons anymore. It's literally people in like basements on computers now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's much frightening. And they tapped into that really, really well for the first half. And they had these really good plot developments. I mean, for starters, his house literally gets destroyed. I mean, his house gets into the sea. Not willingly. <laughs> not willingly, but it does end up in the sea. And yeah. that's that's quite a dramatic thing to happen to anyone, really. Well, well, yeah. If you watch Grand Designs, that's always the aim. Like never the aim is not to get the house in the sea. And then there is a twist just over halfway through, I guess, that turns the whole thing on its head. And I think it's after that that the film loses its way completely for me. And I think it just goes back to kind of conventional early MCU superhero bombasticness. It kind of forgets about all the themes. It's almost like the themes it set up just aren't going to be concluded. It's it's a kind of middling one, I guess. I put it on a similar par with Thor in that it's it's got good ideas, but it there's some missed opportunities along the way. Better than Hulk and Captain America for me. Well, plot-wise then. So we start off at the beginning we start Very, off before the beginning. Exactly. I was about, I was about to say, like, 1999. <laughs> mm. A very good year. With it's 1999. Sort of head, Guy Pierce. Yes, yes. We meet a lot of people and get a lot of information in quite a short period of time during this bit, I think. We, we got Robert Downey Jr., who doesn't appear to be 13 years younger than he is in Iron Man 3, but we'll roll with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but Guy Pierce, who I always think of as Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Mm. Yes, yes, <laughs> he is definitely. So I was like, pipe um, down, Felicia. <laughs> but the moment Guy Pierce walks in, I was like, villain. villain well, yeah, he's instantly. got villain hair, right? He's got villain hair. He's like, he's all kind of sort of desperate to appease Tony Stark. And Tony Stark's like, mm, now nah, I'm going to blow you off. And I'm like, Tony, that's going to come back and bite you on the behind completely. It'll take over a decade, but it will. <laughs> it will. Like, I, I, I'm I, advising you now. <laughs> Be polite. But, but yeah, he's at a big party and he's being Tony Stark and flirtatious and cool and rich and fun and shit. Um, he's with a doctor played by Rebecca Hall, who I really like. She's a very good yeah. actress. And she is she has invented something good. And important. That's good. And that's, that's a good that's way of describing all, it. That's the only way I could possibly describe it at that point. Because I went, oh, it glows red. Lovely. I understood what it was later on. But at, the t- at that point, Tony Stark's is looking at it and going, wow, that's amazing. And I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, great. I mean, if he says it is, it must be. <laughs> <laughs> we have a cameo appearance from Yin Sen, who was in the first mo- Iron Movie film. Yeah, good spot. Um, Very but, nice. I strike yeah. that off my quiz. Oh damn it! <laughs> I'm getting it again. good. Um, but no, Michael, but like he he didn't know Yinsen in the first film, so does he just not recognize him when he falls into a cave in Afghanistan? Yes. Yeah. I guess he's. This is 1999, Tony. He doesn't he doesn't care about anyone but himself. I guess if he's like slightly inebriated and may even have had a, some other kind of toxic chemical put into him at that point, then he may not even remember who Yinsen is. It is the 90s. 
It was the 90s, <laughs> the age of heroin. Wasn't we that know what fun? they're up to. <laughs> <laughs> Not personally, I was like, how old would I have been in 1999? Very young. Um, so yeah, we get we we get introduced to these characters and then it flashes forward to the present day. I thought it was set up quite well, actually. It's a new it's a new director, isn't it? So mm, that might true. also account for the tone, because as I told mm. you. He didn't want to do it after Disney annoyed him. John, John, Favre, although John Favreau is in it as happy. Well, yeah, he's all, he, he enjoyed that. Apparently, it's like being the grandfather and playing with the baby rather than like being the parent. He said. And uh, then we fl- go to the present day, and we discover that there is a bad man, and he's hijacking TV to deliver terrorist threat messages. And mm-hmm. it's all very sinister. And he's called the Mandarin, played called- by. Ben Kingsley. <laughs> he's called Sir King Bensley. And he's and he is Sir King Bensley is acting with a capital A. Yes. And he and he's being the Mandarin and he's okay. delivering these messages. Uh there's a Joan Rivers cameo that I am always happy for. Rest may she rest in peace. And we find out that Rhodes is also an Iron Man. He's the Iron Patriot. Yeah. Um, and but he's working for the government. But he's also friends with Tony Stark. So he's kind of like an inside person for Tony Stark, but also an inside person for the government. Exactly. And his outfit's very Captain America. It is very Captain America. And, you know, you're on his side. The government's not all bad in this one. They're a little bit crap, but they're not all bad, I guess. And the Mandarin is bombing things. Um, and the this was quite good. That Rhodes kind of revealed that um, only the, the public only know about two of these bombings, but there's actually like 16 or something crazy like that. And it very much tapped into that that fear that people have of something, some kind of terrorist threat very suddenly coming out of nowhere and blindsiding mm. you. I guess it's that 9-11 fear of like... Classic terrorism. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why I've said it like there's a good kind and a bad kind, but <laughs> a classic horror that we all kind of can relate to. In terms of like a supervillain, you can all kind of understand what that would feel like to be scared of 100 there's no there's no preamble to these things they just they just suddenly happen because the government hasn't been completely on its toes or someone yeah. just didn't manage to find something out and i guess we're living through that a little bit now with the pandemic it was a bit more of a preamble but if you think about it early january you know we heard about this thing that was happening on the other side of the world from us and then kind of ignored it kind of it kind of ignored it because that's what you would do in that situation and a month and a half well yeah, a month and a half later, um, suddenly we're thinking, oh, God, this is going to affect us, actually. And now here we are on a podcast. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we don't see people anymore. We just live in our bunkers. Um, and Stark, uh, Tony is showing uh, real signs of PTSD after the events of the Avengers as well, which, which also is good. I like. Yeah, mm. consequences. We rarely deal with those. I mean, we kind of do in Spider-Man when he's like, oh, responsibility and my uncle or whoever it is is dead. But mm. I feel like this is much stronger. Con- like it feels like a real consequence. Normally people just bounce out of these battles and they're fine. Yeah, it's- totally. Or you never see um, New York actually being built back up again. But they do mention the fact that half of New York has been destroyed. And I also thought it was really sweet that he signs pictures from kids. Yeah, that is very cute. I think after that, I start, I've start. i started on my notes, rather than write Stark, I started writing Tony, because now I think of him as Tony. He's like oh. everyone's friend now. <laughs> He's humanised for you too. <laughs> He's humanised because he went through hell and now he has PTSD. Poor <laughs> guy. Um, but it, yeah, yeah, it's good that they're showing that because, uh, you know, this is 2013 and the 
you know, after every war, there are lots of soldiers with PTSD. And I guess that would have been, um, well, it still is, um, a big, big uh, theme in, in the news about how we provide for people who have just fought for their country and are potentially traumatised by what they've seen and what they've done. It also just a really good message on male mental health because he puts up a lot of armour and doesn't talk because he thinks he mm. has to be like a strong, tough guy. And obviously yes. we see that that's a mistake. So I think it's probably one of those films that lots of, I mean, I'm, I'm not generalising here, but I think Marvel has a lot of male fans. Mm. Mm. And that was probably a good message to send to them all. Totally, that men can be vulnerable. Men can have mental health problems just as much as women can. Yeah, yeah. And we also cut to uh, old Peppa Pig uh, talking to... Oh, no, don't call her Peppa Pig. <laughs> uh, Pe- Pepsi Cola, or Pepsi Cola, is talking to a man about redundancy. So again, we've got another theme. We've got terrorism, we've got PTSD, and now we've got the recession. Yeah, classics. We love all of these things. Layoffs. They, <laughs> they're literally like, right, how can we make this as current as we possibly can? Let's get everything in like i'm surprised kim kardashian didn't turn up at some point quite frankly and then guy pierce uh, turns up at pepper potts's office and here's the big twist he's attractive now Ooh. yeah he's got new hair he's got new hair he's got good skin he's lost his glasses he doesn't have a limp anymore he did uh, the proper like princess diaries makeover didn't he he did <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, you could see he was attractive even in the past. You could, yeah. You were like, just tidy up. <laughs> um, but he's a bit creepy with it. I think he's a bit slimy. And there's a bit where he's like trying to be like, oh, I tried to get this round Tony before, but his ego was too big. I'm glad that you're in charge now. And she goes, it's a no from me. Thank you for your time. And I was like, yes, Peppa. <laughs> his Dragon's Den pitch. So he's, he's in there for a business pitch. His Dragon's Den pitch was a failure on so many levels. He literally he doesn't even... He he presents something called extremist. He doesn't really explain what it is. He just kind of presents his brain in a kind of three-dimensional hologram and says, Pepper, let's walk into my brain, which at that point I'd be like, oh, no, No. get off me. She's just being polite. That's what women have been conditioned to do. But I quite like that Happy's watching and he like tries to flip the screen and let Tony know and yeah a guy Pierce is like come into my brain now will you invest and Peppa Peppa Potts is like no (laughs) no thank you this is not a pitch it's not really explained anything that you do to me and also creepy creepy vibes her business acumen has improved since Iron Man 2 to give her she's not making phone calls and I guess um then there's the fact that Tony and Peppa are having relationship issues yes not not well developed relationship issues no they're just kind of bickering which they did before I just got the impression that she's a bit exhausted with him because he's got PTSD which is a difficult thing for the spouse to deal with she doesn't seem to have picked up on the fact he has the PTSD yeah yeah well she does eventually because um he he so he has this suit that he can summon it's like a remote control suit Mm. um and in the middle of his sleep, he's having a, you know, a nightmare um, and he summons the suit in his sleep and she wakes up and the suit's like right there in front of her. And she goes, ah! <laughs> and she's Which like, I think that's, I know. And, <laughs> and she's like, that's it. I've had enough. <laughs> sort yourself out. I said, no suits in the bed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've got problems, but. It's kind of like you can sort of see that they'd work through it. He just needs to 
communicate, which is always the problem, isn't it? He does, but he cannot because he has not been taught to be in touch with his feelings. No. So he channels his feelings into making lots and lots and lots of little iron men. Of little little iron men. <laughs> <laughs> little armors. Meanwhile, Happy has an altercation with the mysterious security guard who was with uh, Guy Pierce mm. and with someone else as well. And it turns out that these mysterious men have the sort of red extremist thing injected into them. And it means that they can regenerate constantly. And that's basically mm-hmm. what it does, is that they yeah. can rebuild themselves if they're injured. There's a fight scene of some kind and an explosion and Happy becomes sleepy because he's <laughs> put into a coma. <laughs> but he gets so much Downton Abbey, doesn't he? So I totally identify with Happy's obsession with Downton Abbey because with Downton Abbey, every every Sunday we'd be like, oh, Downton Abbey's on and we'd t- turn it on. We'd watch it. By the end of the episode, we'd go, nothing happened in that. Nothing happened. It was all just so stupid and so boring and nothing happened next Sunday. Downton Abbey's on. And we have to <laughs> sit down and watch Downton Abbey. It's ideal coma TV then, I'd say, wouldn't it? It really is ideal coma. It probably kept him in the coma. <laughs> <laughs> Lulls him. Every time he goes to wake up, he's like, Ugh. But the um, the explosion, uh, the Mandarin claims responsibility for it. Um, and he says, something bigger is coming. Which... And then Tony's like, you come to my house. You come to my house and fight me. Here's my address. And you're like, no, so, no. Tony, Tony is being extremely cavalier here. Because, again, he has PTSD. He's trying to prove himself. He feels weak. He feels vulnerable. So he's like, I know what will stop me feeling weak and vulnerable. Put myself into a weak and vulnerable position. Yeah. So he reveals his address on national TV to all these journalists. He goes home and then Rebecca Hall turns up. And uh, she is like, I have to warn you about something. But she doesn't get to say anything because the missile just wallops into his house from the Mandarin. But also, I think Pepper kind of derails the conversation extremely, doesn't she? She wanders in and she's like, no, we have to leave. You told the Mandarin where our address is, which I think is a fair thing for her to be mad about. Because she's like, I might die. (laughs) And so might you. We should leave. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, everyone knows where Tony Stark lives anyway. So it wasn't really... Well, I got the impression that they don't, that they don't know where he lives. So his reveal of his address on national television was like... This is my address, guys. Rawr. But he lives... Oh, no, he doesn't live in Stark Tower, does he? I was no. like, they've got the big S on the top. It's different. Different building. But then, actually, that's a fair point. Why not just attack Stark Tower in the daytime during work hours? Exactly. So they, they would have been able to find him anyway. Uh, but this was, I, I really like this scene. This was so, so intense with the house gradually falling down, into the, down off the cliff into the sea. And... Tony summons the, the remote control suit to get Pepper out, and Pepper is able to use that to get Rebecca Hall out. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he summons the suit back to him, and he goes into the sea, but then he manages to get out again anyway. But everyone thinks he's dead. And and Pepper gets to do that superhero thing where you fall to your knees, like no. Yes, yes, I actually, I literally noted that down. And she goes Tony, and I'm like, he's not going to hear you. He's in water. He did. He's, he's, he's either dead or at least in the water. That was pointless. Something I always also thought is that whenever they get the suit on, like this, you know, the suit comes to them in like little pieces and gets all over them. But I wondered if it had, it could have a, a sort of Microsoft Windows moment where it comes on and it goes, downloading update one of 74. Do not restart your computer. And you'd be like, oh no, I need you to work right now. <laughs> and Jarvis is that little paperclip. 
Yes. Yeah. I, I see you're struggling with Excel. Can I help? <laughs> Fuck off, paperclip. You're like, no, go away. <laughs> Tony escapes and flies very far away. Capital rural V, Tennessee. capital F, capital A. Rural Tennessee. <laughs> it's in rural Tennessee. And uh, Rebecca Hall then re- re- finally gets to reveal what she came to the house for. She's like, about time. I like the uh, way she, she still carries on that conversation. Though. <laughs> <She> <laughs> As I was up. saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, just before the house all fell in the sea, um, this is what I came to tell you. <laughs> and she, think, she thinks that Guy Pierce is working for the Mandarin, which... At this point, even not knowing the future twist in the story, I'm like, well, duh. Like, yeah, thanks a lot, Becky. We figured he, that out. <laughs> he's a slimy guy who literally walked you into his brain. Uh, this is revealed to the audience to be true, that they are working together because uh, Guy. It, we then have that little scene where Guy Pierce has a film set and the Mandarin turns up in his great big sort of robes and headdress and stuff. And he, he basically is about to start filming another lovely little monologue where he's going to threaten to destroy the whole world. He's got great production value though, hasn't he? Some people he just have to use a phone on a box, but he's got a whole studio. And then Tony is investigating the uh, terrorist attack in um, in the town he's in, and he's found a plucky child sidekick in yes. true Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom format. <laughs> Proving my point that this film is very 80s, right? He's like a little Stranger Things child. He's the kid from Jurassic World. But he's and like, they, oh, I've been bullied. And, and I, he, I have a potato gun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, kind, it was kind of sweet that, but, but also um, a little bit of a safeguarding issue that Tony has given him a weapon. Yeah, I think that's probably a mistake. But he doesn't have kids, so he doesn't know these things. Because like, you wouldn't give it to the bullied child because the bullied child is the one that's going to want revenge. But Tony probably relates hard to that. That's literally his whole arc right now. I do feel, I, I like this whole Tennessee fix. It's, I think this is, I, I don't know. I was talking to Chris about this, but I feel like this is the first Iron Man film where he's out of the suit more than he's in it. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. He's he like is. a plucky detective character almost. And he's wearing flannels and running around, kind of Christmassy hijinks. It's good. I suppose that's all part of making sure that um, it's more about him rather than about the suit because once he dons the suit you over you either see the suit or him close up and it's usually mm. for him to fight bad guys whereas at the moment we've got to deal with his mental health we've got to deal with the um the you know his fears and the very the threats that are coming so you, i guess yeah story-wise you've got to keep him out the suit in order to make sure you emphasize his humanity mandarin hijacks the tvs again he's getting a bit cliche now um <laughs> And he threatens to shoot a man if the president doesn't call him. And the president does call him, but he shoots him anyway. <sighs> Gasp. I do love, I love the dialogue in the White House where um, he's, the president just says, I have to make this call. And someone goes, sir, don't. And I'm like, I think it would have been a little bit more complex in a, <laughs> a real situation than that. I don't know. If you look at Maybe who's not in the now. White House now. <laughs> <laughs> And the president sends um, Rhodes, the Iron Patriot, to uh, find the Mandarin. Um, Tony gets a password to Rhodes to various documents of Rhodes, and discovers that there's a connection between Rhodes's suit 
and Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce has basically been injecting people with the red stuff as like experimental test subjects. Evil things. He discovers evil things about this. Yeah, Guy Pierce is a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Just in case you had not got that from his sliminess in the beginning to his sliminess after the time jump, Guy Pierce is a bad guy. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Pepper, Pe- Pe- I keep wanting to call her Pepper Pig now. Pepsi Cola and Rebecca Hall they're having a little heart to heart together which is nice I think you know I was like maybe they should like uh, yeah, a little date or something that'd be nice um, <laughs> but then Guy Pierce arrives and kidnaps Pepper Potts uh, and Rebecca Hall is in on it but there is an element of doubt in her eyes she's like one of those um, people who's like oh, I did a bang like a like a dog that's done something bad but they have the guilt yeah yeah she's Ooh. she's the um, we shouldn't be doing this but you do pay me or like one of Draco's kid friends, like you know, or just the bully's friend. Yeah, she's Gretchen Wiener. She, yeah, she is Gretchen Wiener. Yes, that's it. She's the, all right. The, she's a nice dish person, but she gets wrapped up in evil. She is. She's guilty, but she's afraid. Mm-hmm. And Rhodes, in his uh, campaign to try and uh, find the Mandarin, um, is attacked by a white woman disguised in a, in a kneecap and kidnaps that was a weird scene because he comes into that little sewing shop and he goes you're free now if you weren't before to all these women in like uh muslim dress and i went do do you want to like ask them first if they're actually in trouble they might be fine i wondered if that was again like because this whole thing seems to be about like our assumptions of what people are and what they're doing and what their state of mind is and that was another one of those little like we know this is stupid. I thought that. Of, yeah. yeah, I thought maybe it was it was to sort of show up like Western ignorance of Middle yeah. Eastern or Muslim life, I guess. Um, but they could have. Yeah, I think it was it was done for laughs rather than for making a point. Very. Oh obviously. yeah, it was clunkily done. I would say Team mm. America probably nailed that better. Yeah, but he gets kidnapped as well. So everyone's getting kidnapped right now. Left, right, and center. Kidnapped. Left, right, and center. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tony, meanwhile, suddenly starts acting like he's bloody Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible and manages to infiltrate this mansion that the Mandarin is in without the suit. He's just like suddenly got karate chop skills. He's got Wing Chun skills, which Robert Downey Jr. himself actually has. Oh, so you can, did he do his own stunts? I believe so with the Wing Chun because he'd, he'd learnt it for, I want to say, Sherlock Holmes. And he probably would have learnt some sort of self-defence after what happened last time. I get that would be a wise decision. <laughs> I would have learnt some. I'd be like, you know what? People keep attacking me and they're not always going to have my suit. I'll just make sure I've got some skills. Yeah. But here comes the big, big twist. And dun, this dun, is dun. where the film falls apart a bit because <laughs> it's quite good up to this point. Um, is he meets the Mandarin. And it turns out the Mandarin is not the Mandarin, but King Bensley is not the Mandarin. He's an actor and he's being paid by Guy Pearce to pretend to be the Mandarin while Guy Pearce does all the terrorist incidents, mm. which is dastardly, dastardly. So dastardly. See, I kind of liked it, this twist, because I was like, interesting, because it is playing again on like, like we said, Weston's perception of what a terrorist looks like. He's sort of pretending to be other sort of foreign you know and it's it's a trick because it's actually the very i'm using air quotes handsome 
mm. American guy who's the bad guy. So I don't, I don't know. I kind of thought that was an interesting twist, but then I, I, I like the twist in itself, and I think this is that was one of the reasons I liked the film is that they had the twist in it. I thought that was quite. I like how daring it was of them to do that. Um, yeah, it's a very bold move, isn't it? Because it can really annoy a lot of audiences. Yeah, and but I don't think it was executed very well. I think that when they reveal Ben Kingsley, he's suddenly acting like just, he's basically being Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. He's Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, he's all kind of drunk and campy. He's basically an out of work, impoverished actor who's taken on this role because they give him a glamorous lifestyle. Um, he's... He's up to his eyeballs in drugs and alcohol and whatever else. But the implication is he doesn't even know, apparently, that the terrorist stuff is going on. That, yeah, that that was confusing. I'm like, how aware are you of what's actually happening? I got the impression they were trying to make it seem like he's so drugged up that he's literally totally unaware and he's just cut off from everyone. He's basically, it's like um, Guy Pierce has said to him, right, we want you to do a few scenes, but we want you to live in this house and have absolutely no contact with the outside world. And mm. Ben Kingsley may have been desperate for money. So he was like, yeah, done, I'll do it, which is, I guess believable for some but it is big brother every bloody year especially big brother that's what people do yeah yeah exactly but as a result of that because because guy appears is just a sort of slimy normal villain all kind of sinisterness all kind of menace disappears from the film i for Mm. me because i was the the menace came from the from ben kingsley's mandarin and the fact that he seemed to be able to just hack into every single tv and conduct terrorist attacks willy-nilly and the government would felt completely helpless and that's quite frightening and really taps into a western world fear post 9 11 but because it's revealed that he's just an actor it was a i was a bit like oh okay well i'm not that scared anymore it's just it's just guy pierce with some red glowy stuff now and that will get defeated i'm sure but he he was still doing what you said, like the oh the explosion here, tapping into the TVs. He's still doing all of that, but you find it more scary when it's like a I don't know, like a trope almost. Well, like I think it's trope. when it's it's scary when you don't know how they're able to do it, yeah. and and the fact that because Guy Pierce is so wealthy and stuff, you kind of think, well, yeah, he could, he will have the technology in that. Whereas mm. the man with the man with Ben Kingsley's Mandarin, the fake Mandarin. Um, it was a bit like, oh, who is he? Where does he come from? What? How is he able to do this? Like, what? What kind of contacts does he have? Yeah, I don't know. I quite liked it because it kind of pulls the rug out from underneath you, and it makes you go like, oh, they sort of confront your own prejudices, I guess, in a way. Like, oh, I assumed mm-hmm. it was going to be the, you know, non-Western guy. I assumed this. I assumed they were doing it like through. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that actually, was very yeah, clever. Yeah, that's that's even better, actually. If they'd set up Guy Pierce as actually quite a nice guy and not obviously a villain. That's revealed... what I think. That's what I think they should have done. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's too slimy. But I guess maybe that's him as an actor. That, I don't that know. Would, <laughs> that would have tapped into the sort of systemic racism that is in the Western world. Is that you? You're presented with. A, a guy who looks Middle Eastern and a guy who's white and you immediately are taken in by the idea that the Middle Eastern guy is the terrorist or terrorist guy he's a villain and actually it turning out it's not and actually it's this guy that you kind of liked and identified with that would be that would be it would have been a much more effective twist but because we already know Guy Pierce is a villain it just it, it didn't yeah didn't fall on its feet for me mm. personally I like the idea of it though I like the idea and 
the, I like that they tried. <laughs> they get an A for effort. It's nice to do something different. <laughs> it is. Yes, that's true. <laughs> In life, yes. Yeah, they gave it a go. <laughs> I mean, that's what Ben Kingsley thought when he took on the role. <laughs> it's probably a little bit of light relief from all his usual stuff that he gets into. Yeah. And then Tony, uh, yeah, Tony gets kidnapped as well. So everyone's been kidnapped now. Dun, 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 kidnap here, kidnap there. You get a kidnap, you get a kidnap. And then Tony, Tony wakes up um, and Rebecca Hall and Guy Pierce are there. Um, and then Guy Pierce reveals that uh, Pepsi Cola is being experimented on by the red technology. So obviously that's going to rile up old Tony quite a lot. He um, loves Pepper. But then Rebecca Hall has her moment of guilt coming through and she says, I'm going to kill myself if you don't let him go. And then Guy Pierce kills her anyway. <laughs> Apparently she was originally going to die like she would kill herself by touching a plant that explodes her. But they changed it. Yeah, because that sounds rubbish. It sounds crazy. It's stupid. The stupid thing. The stupid thing that I don't like. So mm. he does that there. He's like, I'm not like a normal villain. I just kill people. There's none of this bartering. But then later on, he like hangs the president over. Like he doesn't just kill him. His plan is to kill the president, but he strings him up over like this really elaborate. It's like such old classic Bond villain. He's like, I'm gonna string you up here and let you burn really slowly when I could just literally put a bullet in your brain and it would all be sorted. I'm going to move the laser very slowly up between your legs yes. so you have time to work out how to escape. Yeah. But uh, my note on here on um, Rebecca Hall is that she is the ultimate um, evil omen to come in because the first time she enters in the present day, his house falls in the sea. The second time, Pepper Potts gets kidnapped. The third time, she dies. <laughs> <laughs> and she just doesn't do anything else although she does invent the red stuff officially i think she's just there to be another woman to be me yeah but at least like her and pepper are working together for but a secretly lot not because she's mm. actually working with what's his name evil guy pierce no i guess so but then they're not fighting for the affections of the hero no but they do very... have a little snappy moment because she's an ex at the when they first meet True, true. But then they do have a moment where they're gazing into each other's eyes and it's almost like they're going to start, you know. I think you just sort of interpreted that the way you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I want my LGBT representation, okay? One day you will get it in the Marvel Universe, I promise, but not today. Yeah, so Guy Pierce uh gets he he wants one of he wants the suit, the Iron Patriot suit. I think he gets Rhodes out of the suit and he says lots of villainous things. Ooh, Give me villain, villain, villain. I'm going to fly it away and get the president. <laughs> yeah, so he puts the president in the suit. He steals the president from Air Force One. Um, I feel like they're all a bit dumb. Like the, the, the whole Iron Patriot suit, they just never think who's behind the suit. They just assume it's one of their guys. And also, Guy appears like this is a guy who's managed to commit quite a few acts of terrorism without anyone actually realizing it's him you know he makes quite a few dumb moves maybe he's maybe he's getting overexcited about it all oh but no that's why sorry the vice president was involved yes in it, wasn't he so maybe the vice president was covering everything and like you know hiding files behind the bookcase or something like that or you know oops i spilled tea here <laughs> i'll just oh, wipe this up <laughs> did i did i drag that excel spreadsheet to the recycling bin oh silly me oops and then i hit permanently delete I'm such a klutz <laughs> oh there was that really cool bit where tony saves like i don't know 13 people from falling through the sky it was such a nice metaphor as well as that they all had to work together 
I think that was symbolic of him getting it together mentally. I think that was meant, it seemed like that was meant to be the moment when he's like, okay, I've got this now because I can I save had, people. That's nice too. But I just had it like, no, he can't work alone to get through what he needs to get through. He has to talk and open up and, you know, no man is an island and so on. There's many mm-hmm. metaphors to be found in this scene. You have to hold hands, like make a hold hand chain across America is what you've got to do. A calming circle. A calming <laughs> circle, yes. It was very calming because it saved all their lives. Uh, Guy Pierce, the president and Pepper Potts are on, they're on a scow. And I had to look up what a scow is because I'd never heard that word before. And it's a type of boat. Uh, I like the way that Gwyneth is in her sports bra. I did note this down that she's in a bra for no reason whatsoever, other than male audiences, I guess. I guess so. And maybe it's the hammer. He's a bit like Frodo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. He's quite creepy of her. He's got like, he seems very Mm. like, I want this trophy. He even says like, you're like my trophy. She says it. He's like, oh, there's another embarrassing reason why you're here. She's like, your trophy. He's like, "Mm mm-hmm. I think they could have played up a bit more on his creepiness. Maybe Guy Pearce was like, no, I'm too good looking to be creepy. I'll only be creepy in that first scene. And after that, I'll just be really handsome, but still a villain. No, he's creepy. I would have found that creepy. Someone being like, you're my trophy. Mm, That would creep me out. It is inherently creepy, but there aren't that many other sort of creep. Well, I guess there is the bit where he walks her into his brain. Actually, yeah, that is. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I take it back. He's creepy as fuck. He's creepy. (laughs) Super creepy. (laughs) And he's made her, he's taken her top off for her and then tied her up, which is also creepy. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's totally creepy. Yeah. Weird like silence of the lamb style stuff that's what it is mm-hmm. he wants her skin tony has escaped and rose has escaped and uh lots and lots of remote control suits arrive so tony not only has one he has many remote control suits that he can use as a little army a little iron army one might say what i quite like before the iron army turns up is that Rhodes is taking the lead in this situation because he actually is trained in like what's it called when you go combat up, like yeah, firearms, and he's like going, hold your gun up, don't shoot me in the back, do this. And then Tony's not very skilled at it. Like he ducks up to go see what's going on, and he's mm. comes back. He's like, what did you see? He's like, I don't know, I was too fast, let's do it again. So he's like on the back foot this time. Yeah, yeah. This... But he picks it up quickly. I, I must, I, I wasn't like massively excited by this climax though. I think, I think I was still on a sort of like, oh, why do they have to have the twist like that? It didn't really work very well. He was uh, sulking. I was, I was sulking and being mopey. Yeah, at this point, I was. <laughs> I love this. Pepper Potts falls into a great big fire. Oh, but and it's I so was... sad because he's like, just fall, I'll catch you, and then he doesn't. I was <laughs> like, oh. but, but because. I knew that she would still be alive because he met the, nothing was made of it. They were like, oh shit. And they just sort of carried on fighting. He did. So I was he- like, well, she's she's been experimented on with the red stuff. So um, she's probably going to be able to regenerate herself. And she does. She comes back out of the fire and she's the one who kills Guy Pierce in the end. Doc, she's not the damsel in distress. She's the damsel who causes distress to bad guys. We're seeing women's lib happening before our very eyes. This Is this what you were hoping film. for, though? Because I know you've been wanting a female heroine for a while. It's better. It's, I mean, call me when you've got, like, a, an actual leading heroine who's the superhero, who's also not stick thin and perfectly good looking. And clothed. And clothed. Like, I'm still waiting for that. But it's a step <laughs> in the right direction. 
they're trying you know that's what i meant by they're having their cake and eating it because they're like oh we've got this really powerful female character but Mm. she's topless and also very yeah slender and and her hair never becomes bad even though she's just been thrown about and experimented on and thrown into fire she's been (laughs) in fire it should have all burned off her head she's literally been through fire (laughs) and (laughs) And then tony destroys all the suits because he's like i'm done with this now going on sabbatical i'm moving on with my life well i quite like the suits because it kind of showed how damaged he was because there was one for every situation he could come up with do you know what i mean like every uh, possible yeah. eventuality there was like a tiny little hulk type armor called eagle all of them had a little function didn't they that's a good point actually yeah yeah one was called the heartbreaker which i didn't i was trying to figure out why but i didn't see enough of what i did Maybe it was a really attractive suit. The sexiest of the suits. Like you'd, you'd marry that suit, not throw it off a cliff. It shoots condoms from its <laughs> It promotes safe sex. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then he, it's, a, it's sort of, a, it's a happy ending. Then he has an operation to get rid of the shrapnel from his heart. And yeah. I, and I'm, my question is, why didn't he get that originally? Because he didn't know that he could do it. But how did he find out he could do it? Because when he was figuring out what he could do for Pepper, he was like, why stop there? If I can figure out how to fix Pepper, I probably, he probably never did fix the heart because I think he thought that he needed that to be Iron Man. And now he's realized he doesn't need it to be Iron Man. He's Iron Man regardless, I think is what they were trying to say. They did not say it clearly enough for me. Speaking on behalf of the Iron Man free writers, that's what (laughs) I think the message of the film was. They're all listening to this and being like, thank God she's here. (laughs) (laughs) She's done her research. (laughs) And what Um, did you think of your little post-cred scene? uh, Oh, it was fun. Yeah, he's having therapy with Bruce Banner and Bruce Banner is basically just falling asleep. It's just nice to see Mark Ruffalo. It's always nice to see Mark Ruffalo. We love seeing Mark Mark Ruffalo's there. (laughs) Well, I originally had, I can't tell you what, later I will. Remind me at the end of phase two. They had a different post-credit scene, but they had to refilm it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it it didn't really give anything about the next film. It was just a little fun. Jarvis (laughs) had a bit more of a role, didn't he? he did yeah Jarvis is always fun I always I'd still think he's a bit underused like they could have made him sassier maybe yeah I, just, I feel like Maggie Smith should have voiced it and been like no do this dog what are you doing I mean, she's just so much money and she was busy filming Downton they've shown you that already <laughs> why I know what they should could have made it really good is that in that flashback to 19, 1999 they could have had a lot more sort of clues they could have been they could have done a lot more when he's doing his detective skills of the audience being taken along with it and start putting clues together like going through that kind of process and some of those clues could have been in the flashback that and you don't notice them the first time but then when he thinks back to it in 2013 then he's kind of like oh i didn't notice that 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 portrait behind that man's head was staring in in the direction of the northwest wind that's significant you know that's those kind of like little tiny clues and that makes the audience go woo you know have you been watching enola holmes no i haven't yet but i will but again yeah you know what i think it should should have just been sherlock holmes three you should have (laughs) had a sherlock holmes film that's what you wanted (laughs) all right rotten tomatoes you know the drill what do you reckon Mm, I'm going to go about 90%. 
wow, you went so much higher considering how much you didn't like it. Really? I thought, well, usually everyone loves it when I don't like it. No, 79. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think, this, I think uh, that's quite fair. In terms of like, just just as a casual fact, which isn't really a fact for anyone but you, this is Chris's favourite of the Iron Man films. Is it? Oh, which, I, if, you yeah. know what? If someone says to me it's their favourite, I'm not going to hate them for it. Well, please Please don't hate him for it. But I was quite surprised because <laughs> he was um, cooking dinner and kept drifting back in. He doesn't really like the Marvel films. And I was like, look at this, I've snared him. Um, mm-hmm. How much do you think it made worldwide? I'm guessing quite a lot because Iron Man, the Iron Mans are quite popular, aren't they? Um, mm-hmm. 500 million. Higher? Well, 600 million? Well, so much higher. Really? 1.215 billion. Wow. So that's more than both of the first two films together <laughs> in terms oh of how much God. it made. I guess it's post-Avengers, isn't it? Yeah, and people were yeah. intrigued. And I think the trailer, the trailer for it was good if you hadn't seen it before. I don't know if you watched the trailers before you watched them. Did you spot Stan Lee? <laughs> yeah, he was judging a beauty contest. Indeed he was. Indeed. Do you remember he held how up much a 10 to the to the Held up lady. a 10. Mm. This is more of a, I'm just intrigued to see what you think. What do you reckon the giant rabbit symbolises? What giant rabbit? The one he gives to Pepper. He gives Pepper a giant rabbit? Yeah, her Christmas present. Oh. They talk about it quite a bit. Does it symbolise fertility? Oh, God, I hope not. No. So what, um, what I'm going to give you what Robert Downey Jr. thinks it symbolises. <laughs> he says it's everything... A guy in a relationship does that makes no sense to the woman. It's like, if you want to know what I wanted, why didn't you ask me? Because your idea of what I wanted is incredibly ridiculous. Oh, that's a bit too deep. I think it's just a rabbit. I I reckon it was, they made it, so this is what I mean with the trailer thing. They made the rabbit a really big deal in the trailers and people thought it was going to be big in the movie. Like like a microfilm hidden inside it. Or that it would be like its own little Iron Man suit or something, you know? <laughs> like the Iron Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, people were calling it like the Iron Rabbit and stuff, but then it meant nothing and they were a bit disappointed. So oh. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, which other superhero is referred to in the film? Hmm. I can't remember, actually. Tell me. I'll give you the quote. I'm sure you'll guess it based on what I say. Nothing's been the same ever since that big guy with the hammer fell out of the sky. <laughs> uh, Judy Dench. No. Yes. Um, Thor. From Cats. <laughs> um, and from which cats. other? <laughs> Always from Cats. Which other? So another superhero's motif appears as a tattoo on the Mandarin. Oh, does it? Yeah. A superhero. Yeah. Uh, Captain America's shield. It is, but mm-hmm. instead of a little star. It has a little anarchist A. Oh, oh okay. Because mm, he's that guy. You know? would it, would, <laughs> isn't he worried that people are going to be like, oh, A, A for America, yeah? He's like, no, anarchy. Anarchy, what's wrong <laughs> of you? I'm so... Obviously. Do you know why Downton Abbey was used? Because it's the greatest television show Great Britain has ever produced. <laughs> John Favreau is... Um, it's one of his favourite shows and he was uh, like, I want it to be Downton. Do you think Americans come to the UK and are like, 
why I think they're really why, it, why do you not live like Downton Abbey we're like really disappointed when they come to the UK because it's set a hundred years in the past that's why <laughs> I, the main shows they watch of ours are going to be like Downton Abbey The Bake Off which they call the Great British Baking Show mm. uh, what other shows do they watch? that's pretty much it and they are very like cosy quintessentially yeah. Blighton-esque who pushed for Gwyneth Paltrow to get her action scenes Robert Downey Jr. It was Robert Downey Jr. What a I, I guess that because he pushed for her to be in Avengers. Yeah. He? he seems like he really wants Gwyneth to have a big role in these films. He likes the Gwyneth. He does. I guess she's Pepper. Without Pepper, who is Tony? Well, yeah. I mean, she plays Pepper quite well. I think she'd, I, if they recast Pepper, I'd be a bit kind of sad about that. I'd be like, oh, but Gwyneth. Weird a question. So the director, Shane Black has a trademark that he uses in this film. Mm. Do you know what it is? No, I've no idea. I don't know Shane Black at all. So it's just that it's at Christmas. <laughs> oh. So he did Black's Lethal Weapon, The Last Boy Scout, The Long Kiss Goodnight, and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, um, I've not seen any of those films. I was thinking as I read them aloud, probably not your bag, but they are all Christmassy movies. What does this film not do that mm. all the other Iron Man movies do? The other two Iron Man movies. Okay. Um, it pose is, is this about it, it going on, taking you, be, the villain is a bit of a red herring? No, it's more about like who? Who's not there? Who's not there? Who's not there? No idea. Didn't spot it. Anyone from S.H.I.E.L.D.? Oh, uh, yes, Nick Fury yeah. or Phil. and Coulson and old Phil. Well, Phil's dead now. In it, so he Very can't sad. be there. <laughs> yeah. Dead now. Dead Very now. sad. Mm. I have to, uh, dead now, very sad. I have to shout out to my friend Tony, who um, has the copyright for that phrase. He he will receive royalties for us using that catchphrase. Okay, well, if we get any money from this. Sure. <laughs> Royal, he will have received exactly 50% of zero. Yes. Well done you, Tony. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Who was originally considered for Guy Pierce's role? Uh am I gonna be surprised by it? I'm gonna say he's got a connection to both Robert Downey Jr. and Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh ooh, Jude Law. It is Jude Law. Didn't ah! you think it would have been a good choice? Because <laughs> I was I was thought, is it if it's someone like completely opposite, I was gonna be like Jim Broadbent? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jude Law could have played it not creepy. Who else was considered for the role of Rebecca Hall's character, Maya? Mm. Just because she's been considered for other roles in Marvel. Emily Blunt. No, I'd love it if it was her again. Every film and she's like, no, no, not today. She just keeps getting <laughs> Marvel offers. And like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and every time she gets so close and then just psychs them out. Um, <laughs> no, it's Jessica Chastain. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but also Gemma Arterton, Isla Fisher and Diane Kruger were also considered. Oh. Um, why is Mark Ruffalo's little post credit scene so important? Or so significant, sorry. Um, I didn't think of it as important at all. I don't know. It's because he's the, it's the first time an actor has played the Hulk in more than one movie. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's it. I've got a quote from Shane Black, if you want it, about why he did his twist. 
Go on, finish with yeah, a Mike. quote. Finish with a quote. Let's do so it. So he wanted to do an interesting story choice, something that was about our own fear and our own ways of viewing villains. What if he's sort of this all things to all people uber terrorist? What if he's the myth and in the end, this is what we're dealing with, a creative myth perpetuated and cobbled together from popular consciousness? I think that's very fair. I think it's a really good idea. Um, yeah. I, I really like that idea. Just I feel they could have done it and still kept up the the menace. It'd be cool to know if Team America came out before this. I'm guessing it did. 2004-ish, wasn't it? Oh, way before. Way, way before. Yeah, yeah. Because it plays with lots of the same themes. Yeah. So did the other two Iron Man films. They they deal with the idea of, like, um, America saving the world, but actually there's a sort of downside to it, or there's a a blusteringness to it, Mm. rather it's not as heroic as... They're not as heroic as they think they are in their attitude towards themselves. And that's an act- that's the sort of theme that is, is quite quite pertinent for the last 50 years, really. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just our lives now, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's, it's pertinent to some areas of the United Kingdom too, I would say. <laughs> I'd quite like to know what Gwyneth thought of being in her. She probably would like it. Apparently it was her own, well, I've just Googled it because I was going to say, what do you think she thought of her costume? It was her idea. Does that change it for you? Does that make it more... What, wearing the bra? Yeah, she wanted to wear the bra and the yoga pants. Oh, well, that changes it because if she genuinely wanted it, then that's her That's her, That's her. her call. It's just when you see a woman who's sort of wearing a bra and like wearing barely anything and all the men are like fully dressed, you mm. would assume that it's some kind of male filmmakers who have made this decision. It's quite a practical outfit in a way because it's a sports bra so it's not like a you know and plunging there's lots, there's lots of fire there so she won't get cold Ex- exactly she's warm <sighs> and snug and happy it does actually change things if i find out that she made that decision i would like to throw you a question that chris posed to me because mm. i was saying like oh so typical that woman's in a bra and he was like you were literally salivating <laughs> over chris hemsworth's tops the scene in the last film so why is that any different because and because women I've, have been objectified much 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 more than men have historically. Yeah, that was so, kind of what I thought. It's like a power thing, right? We're we're restoring balance. <laughs> well, also it's his own movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, and he's got like he's in control of the movie. He's got this big part. He's not like just the eye candy. Whatever. Yeah. What have we got next week? Well, I'll tell you what we got next week. We've got our first TV series. Oh my. Goodness, I better so get to it, hadn't I? <laughs> I have, yeah. We, we've got to watch, or I, I definitely have to watch Agents of Shield season one. I know absolutely nothing about it other than Phil Coulson is in it, so somehow he comes back from the dead. I'm assuming, or it's set in the past before he dies. Yeah. Classic. It's a prequel or a reboot. You know, <laughs> it's a prequel. Or, I mean, it's it's science fiction. They can be like, yeah, they're back from the dead because of this glowing light. Yay! Yay! Well, that's interesting. It'd be nice to see how you feel with a TV show. Right. Well, I better, I, you know what? We better end this episode so I can get right on watching all 22 episodes. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Virgin. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune in to the next fact-filled episode.